Welcome to Political People, the podcast where we take a peek behind Uncle Sam's polished veneer and explore who politicians are as human beings. We hold the gotcha questions and throw talking points out the window to focus on what makes our public servants unique and inspiring individuals. I'm William Haynes, and this is Political People. I'm tired of politicians who talk about family values and don't value families. What a greeting. This is like winning an Oscar, as if I would know. I'm so old-fashioned that I believe in horsewhip. Part of the beauty of me is that I'm very rich. And now, my friends, in a phrase I want to address to others, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. In this episode, we talk to Walt Maddox, the mayor of Tuscaloosa, about having his personal life amplified in the public eye, being a Democrat in a red state, and the most trouble he got into as a kid. Mayor Maddox has been the mayor since 2005 and has been nationally recognized for his handling of the Tuscaloosa tornado disaster in 2011. Without further ado, Mayor Maddox. I wanted to start off by just talking a bit about your family and your mm-hmm. early life. And so I was wondering if you could just tell me a bit about who, who your parents and um, who, tell me about your family. Well, my parents met here like so many people at the University of Alabama. My mother's from Clark County, from Jackson, Alabama, down in Clark oh. County. My dad's from Fayette County. Okay. And so it's really interesting dichotomy. My, my, my mom's parents bragged about voting against Wallace every time he ran. And my dad's family from Vet uh, voted for Wallace every time he ran. So it was always an interesting political yes. uh, discussion in my family. Uh, they met here at the university, both got their master's here. My mother retired as a school teacher. My father started out as a school teacher and went to work for the state in vocational rehabilitation. Uh, I was born and raised here. Uh, I was born December 27, 1972 at uh, DCH Regional Medical Center and I've and, uh, been here ever since. But um, I'm a Tuscaloosa boy through and through. Gotcha. So did they remain on opposite sides of the political spectrum throughout your life? <laughs> Um, you know, I don't recall them being, you know, too divisive on politics. I, I remember when uh, mother, uh, mom went to go vote for uh, Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. That was my first real, I remember going to the polls with her. I must have been four years old. Um, so I remember that. And I remember at times having some discussions, but I think they were the classic Reagan Democrats mm-hmm. um, who voted for Reagan. Um, but, you know, for the most part, they were on the same page with politics. But um, it wasn't an overtly political home. I mean, right. politics wasn't always discussed at the dinner table. Right. And did y'all, um, would y'all go visit uh, their homes in Clark County and, uh, you know, go visit where they grew up? Or were y'all mostly in Tuscaloosa growing up? Well, I uh, spent a lot of time in Fed because it's only about 40 miles from here. My grandmother, Winnie, who just passed away last year, she had a a, uh, she actually owned a store on Temple Avenue, which, you know, for a woman own, owning a store was a very big deal right. uh, during the 60s and 70s. And then during the summer, we spent a lot of time down in Clark County uh, in Jackson uh, okay. with my grandparents. And, and Sarah, my sister, and I were both very close to our grandparents. So my granddad, my dad's dad, died when I was very young okay. in 1977. And so I barely remember him. Uh, but my grandmother on my dad's side and my grandparents on my mom's side, we were all very close. Awesome. So how did they, I know you said that it wasn't an overtly political home. Um, did you have an interest in politics from a young age? I mean, were you following the news and stuff or how did that kind of um, 
grow and how did they impact that? Well, I, I, my interest in politics came because at the dinner table, we had this, this black and white television in the corner. I can still see it in my mind's eye today. And the news was on. And so, uh, you know, one of the first real news events I remember um, at least asking questions about was the Iranian hostage crisis. Mm. And so, um, you know, from then on at the dinner table to the time I graduated high school, the news was always playing during dinner. And so it kind of gave me this situational awareness. Right. I certainly right. remembered Reagan, um, especially I got excited when he came to Tuscaloosa mm -hmm. when I was in sixth grade. And okay. so that was, that was a big deal. And um, it, it was always in my mind. But I wanted to be a football coach. I, I never dreamed I would uh, end up in politics. Mm -hmm. But I always had a, a interest in it, especially current events. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So uh, why did Reagan come to town? Did you go see him? Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to see him. I was very disappointed because uh, uh, tickets were limited. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember what the situation was, but I believe it was a campaign stop mm -hmm. uh, part of the 1984 campaign. And um, I, it was a big deal because um, at the time, I mean, the idea of a president coming to Tuscaloosa really, you know, was was huge. And so um, I, I just remember it being important. And right. then all the stories that came out and all the roadblocks, I never got a chance to see him. I remember being at school that day, and we were all watching it on television. I'm sure. Yeah, that's a that's a huge yeah. deal. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. How did your uh, childhood influence your personality now, or your core values? Well, I grew up in a neighborhood called Idlewood in East Tuscaloosa, and so many of my friends and I, um, you know, every day we had to be out of the house at eight uh, when it was Saturday, Sunday, or the summer. Um, we played together, went in the woods together. We, um, it was just so much of a, an environment where you had to do it yourself. Right. And I, you know, for me, it's, it was a classic working class neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for me, I always valued hard work. Um, you know, I always valued the, the fact that you determine your future. Mm -hmm. I believe God gives you two great gifts, the ability to learn and the ability of free will. And if you wanted to be successful, you were going to have to do it yourself. And so you know, uh, the most of the kids I grew up with in the neighborhood have all been successful because we all realized we watched our parents work hard and we knew we'd have to work hard if we wanted to be able to continue to have success in our lives. One thing I wanted to ask about was, um, you know, you came into office at a young age. How old were you when you were first elected? <laughs> 32. Right. So um, what what has it been like having a young family um, while in in a political office? Well, for the most part, it's been an advantage because it keeps me centered about not only looking at, um, you know, what we need to do now, but what do we do to build a brighter future? You know, what can I do to keep Taylor and Eli when they graduate in Tuscaloosa? And that's been a huge focus of our administration, especially in this fourth term. And so for me, it's been such an advantage. And certainly it makes it more difficult. Um, because I, I refuse to sacrifice, um, you know, as a lot of family time. Um, but it just means I have to be creative in my scheduling and um, I do my best to make certain that uh, I continue to be a good husband and a good father. But it's been nothing but an advantage because it gives me a, uh, an insight into to the type of future we want to create for every person that lives in this city. Mm -hmm. So um, I read that you, uh, I believe you went through a divorce post mm -hmm. being in, the, in office and then you got remarried also while in office you know it's a lot of uh, and then you had another child so mm -hmm. you know major life events um, nothing like being in your 40s and having another child yeah um, to say the least 
I'm 33 and I have two. My goal is to <laughs> have them all before I'm 40. <laughs> we'll yeah, see how yeah. it goes. <laughs> it's harder. It's harder. It gets harder as you get older. Um, it, it, actually, you, you get a little bit more patience. But um, you know, going through a divorce was tough. I mean, because you don't like being in a newspaper and you don't like everything surrounding it. And it, you know, I worried about my daughter Taylor, who was five at the time, and now she's uh, 16, going to be 17 soon. Um, but you know, it's, it just comes with the job. I mean, right. there's just, you know, in a perfect world, should the public lives of anyone be out for display? No, but that's, you know, that's, that's the perfect world. We don't live in that. Right. So it just comes with the territory. So for Taylor in particular, since she's 16 and she's had, you know, uh, I mean, the majority of, of her life has, um, been spent with, with her dad and in the public eye. Do you feel like you can kind of see how that's playing out or impacting her? Oh, she loves politics. Well, and, that's awesome. Yeah, she, um, you know, especially the governor's race really was a uh, an eye-opener for her. But she's been through a couple elections, and she um, she's really interested in policy. She tells me she doesn't want to be the candidate, but she loves policy. She wants to be involved in politics. Um, I think the current climate in the United States, just the political climate, has really gotten her engaged. Mm -hmm. So I see a social consciousness about her that I'm very proud of, mm -hmm. and I hope she continues it because we're all put on, I believe, we're all put on this earth to make a difference, and she, I hope she can uh, find something uh, to serve something greater than herself. Yeah. Politics is a good way to do that. Absolutely. So what kind of things are, are uh, Taylor and Eli involved in, in school or well, outside of school? Well, Eli just finished his soccer, and Taylor just, uh, she's, you know, making, she's doing great. She's not only in high school, she's also doing honors college at the university. So, oh, wow. um, she's going ahead and getting college credit. And so, she uh, she graduates from high school next year. Uh, she spent a lot of time working on our campaign. Well, that's awesome. I wanted to um, transition a bit and um, chat some about hobbies and books. So, I read that you play the guitar some. Um, <laughs> Can you tell me when and how you learned how to play the guitar? My best friend in high school, Jason Herndon, was a fantastic guitar player. And he taught me, you know, one day he said, teach me how to play. And he, I bought a guitar and he taught me how to play. And so I was basically nothing but a chord strummer, but I enjoyed it a lot and made a little money on the side playing it. I haven't picked it up since the April 27th tornado. Um, I don't know why, but I haven't been able to play since then. Hmm. Um, but as Eli gets a little bit older and I get a little bit more free time in my life, I hope to pick it up again. I, I, I will pick it up again. It's just uh, right now I'm too busy. Right. I do miss playing it. Yeah. What are your favorite songs to play? <laughs> uh, well, of course, uh, Sweet Home Alabama and Freebird. Absolutely. I mean, that jam part on Freebird is a lot of fun, especially if you've had a couple of beers and yeah. you're jamming some people um certainly love uh, free falling by tom anything tom petty um is going to be fun to play uh black crows uh credence clearwater um tesla um, i'm old school you got to remember my 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 generation so those are the fun things but yeah. um, it's today's music would be tough to to you know play a, an acoustic guitar right. to. yeah but who knows you know and i read that you played um you played at your reception, is that right? You played a song. Yeah, at your my wife's. Yeah, I'm yours. Uh, and uh, I, you know, my wife is too beautiful and too smart, and I, I certainly thought that would be sweet, but I think I ruined the wedding, um, or at least the after party at the wedding. But uh, you know, you just try to show them you love them, and I guess uh, hopefully she recognized it was a gift from the heart. I love it. <laughs> so how how else do you like to uh, spend your free time? Not that you have much, but 
if you do, what do you like to do with it? You know, I get up every morning at 4.30 and normally exercise. And so I've got a couple of friends that I'll meet at the gym or go jogging. This morning I just jogged alone. Um, that's I have to manufacture my free time and I have to do it by getting it early in the morning. So um, that's that's my relaxation. So I get it before work. And then my goal is I don't I try not to eat lunch or if I do, it's a working lunch. If, if you could have time for, you know, if you could have an hour of something to add into your schedule um, once a week, what, what would it be? Work-related or... Uh, Anything. Uh, oh, I never even... That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's something I'd really want to think about because if I got that hour, um, I'd want to do something good with it. So I need, I'd have to think through it. But, um, you know, uh, I don't know, just drink coffee and read. I, I miss the you know reading for enjoyment. Speaking of reading and books, um, what what books have been most impactful to you? Oh, uh, Robert Caro's. I mean, you know, his his books on Lyndon Johnson has certainly, you know, have, have shaped me. Um, anything by Meacham, you know, whether it's uh, Jefferson or um, or George Bush, W and George H. Bush have been very impactful. I mean, I love history, and so uh, those are two that that are come to mind. Um, so you know, for me, I love history. Anytime I can pick up something on history, right? I'm probably going to pick it up and read it. Yeah. But Caros and Johnson are fascinating. Johnson is one of the most fascinating political figures to me, and so um, I don't know for some reason I relate to him, and he's not. You know, he's not a perfect person. Of course, no president's perfect, and they all have their shortcomings. But, um, you know, Carol's books on Johnson are really, to me, intriguing. Mm -hmm. And I tend, I don't know about you, but I tend to get on a subject. Um, You know, right now, uh, Gettysburg is starting to really appeal to me, Um, especially Jeb Stewart's campaign, you know, and the, the, oh, I read an article last night. I was just, you know, doing a quick Google search about what made Robert E. Lee make these types of decisions that normally he didn't make. And the article was talking about the balance between intuitive leadership and rational leadership. And, and, and I sent it to my staff because I think we all have to balance that. There's things we need to, there's decisions we need to make with our gut, but there's also decisions we need to make based off reason and fact. And, you know, it just, for me, understanding history helps me in my decision making. Because anytime something crosses your desk, now it's certainly it's not as exciting or life impacting as Meade and Lee at Gettysburg, but it, you know, there's there's things you can draw from it to help you in our your decision making. Right, absolutely. Yeah, speaking. I've gone down a whole rabbit trail. You probably were. No, 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 no. That that was great actually, and I wanted to I wanted to ask some questions about your personality and talking about, uh, you know, leading from your gut or more rationally. One of my questions. Um, about your personality is are you more of a thinker or a feeler thinker um i I tend to want to think through things i'm an introvert by nature and um you know my wife tells me that most people who don't know me probably think i'm cold Mm -hmm. um and that's just not it's just because i'm shy and i'm an introvert being in politics has really required me to come out of my shell um and so i'm more of a thinker uh as an introvert who's a thinker uh how do you manage being in, uh, you know, say you, you have to walk into some event where you're speaking and there's 400 people or whatever. Um, do you have any sort of tricks to, to manage that internally? You know, I could speak to 5,000 people and it wouldn't bother me. I mean, I'd be a little nervous, don't get me wrong. It's getting into the crowd that I have to work especially hard. 
um, and because I'm just shy, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do. It's not the, it's not you, it's me, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so um, that's something that I've really worked hard in my career is to understand that um, the fear that I have is within me, mm-hmm. and so it's up to me to conquer that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but what I do find is that after an event like that, um, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I need that alone time to recapture my energy. Um, whereas I've been jealous of some people I know in politics who can just jump in a crowd. And I mean, they are just, you know, high energy yeah. the whole time and they love every minute of it. Um, whereas me, I have to continue to work at it right. because individual stories I love. I mean, and especially in running for governor, I love the stories of people mm-hmm. because it motivated me to want to do better. Um, and so what I, you know, one of the things I work very hard is, is to know that if by doing this, I'm going to capture those stories, mm-hmm. those remembrances of the people I want to serve and help. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I've worked at it. And it's been, it's been successful. It doesn't mean, you know, at times you don't get, you don't fall back into it, but you have to work hard to, as an introvert to right. be out. Yeah, absolutely. How do you feel about public speaking? I enjoy it. Um, again, speaking in front of people is not the hard part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, it's more of the individual conversations along the way. And so, because, uh, see, I like an agenda, and it's hard when I'm small talking yeah. to people and we don't have an agenda to talk about, to talk through those things. And I'm a get-to-the-point kind of person. Yeah. And so I have to watch myself and be patient, yeah. you know, as people kind of talk. Uh, some people, as you know, can be, you know, they start wide, and then they, they curve back into what yeah. they're trying to do. Yeah, you're, um, you're waiting for the punchline. That's right. And so, um, but I enjoy, I tell you the thing I enjoyed about running for governor is I could have the same speech. I was like a minister of one sermon. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so I never, you know, I, that was nice. You know, as mayor, I, I can't give the same sermon. I've, I've got to come up with something new and fresh every time I go yeah. somewhere. Yeah. When you got interested in politics and policy, um, were you, were you kind of more drawn to the policy side initially or to the you know, selling of a city or of an agenda or, you know, that kind of part. I like the policy side because that's where you can make a difference in people's lives. I mean, the politics of it, I disdain. I mean, one of the things that I didn't like running for governor is that um, uh, there was an issue regarding two amendments on the ballot. And I was against those amendments. um, And the reason why is because they're unconstitutional and it's bad policy. But then it was, you know, you know, you would see, you know, mail outs that said, Walt Maddox is against the Ten Commandments. Well, that's not true. And, but you, you understand the context in which it was being sent. Right. I like the policy side because um, the only way we're going to address those issues in our city and in our state is by effective policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing to get elected. OK, it's another thing then to govern. And to me, the policy side is where we have to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And there's where we need more thinkers and rational actors. Mm-hmm. We've got to have more of that in society if we're going to conquer the challenges, especially in Alabama. Right. Especially in Alabama. Yeah, so I would love to hear a bit about um, you You ran for governor and uh, you're a Democrat in a decidedly Republican state. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear what that feels like, um, especially in Alabama and as, as running for <laughs> governor. What's, what's that like to be the... <laughs> I, I felt like a Bigfoot sighting, um, a rare, um, being a Democrat in Alabama. But, you know, I was really proud of, first of all, it, it was a great feat for us to win the primary. I mean, we were, you know, against very well-known opponents who both had won statewide races. So I was very proud that we won the primary and without a runoff. 
And I was really proud of our campaign. I mean, we got 24,000 more votes than Doug Jones on 10% or 90% less funds. Um, and we, I think we had the second highest vote total of any candidate running for governor. We just happened to run against a candidate who was able to pour out 300,000 more votes uh, over the midterm average. And so, you know, hats off to Governor Ivey and her team for being able to do it. Mm. Uh, but I was proud of the fact that, number one, I didn't sell my soul to get elected. Um, you know, I could have switched parties any time in my career I wanted to. I'm not going to do that because it's disingenuous. And quite frankly, Alabama's had enough dishonesty. Uh, number two is the things that I talked about and the things that my opponent didn't want to talk about are the things that the legislature is having to deal with right now, whether it was infrastructure, whether it's mental health, uh, prisons, um, what's happening uh, across the state with our um, uh, mental, not only mental health, but corrections and, and lottery, which is now up in front of the legislature. All those issues that we talked about in detail, the policy side of it, that no one wanted to talk about or said I was liberal for proposing, now they're having to address them. So in some ways you feel validated because you, you know, as a mayor, you want to solve problems. And so for me, it was a great experience. I met people from across the state. Um, and then every time, you know, I go somewhere and I think, gosh, I was in most, you know, uh, where I hear about Muscle Shoals, I think about my good friends there or Mobile or wherever it may be. That's something that um, that will stick with me the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, how many people get to run for governor? How many people get to be the nominee? Um, right. I feel blessed. And then I had the best job in the world, man. I'm mayor of the best city in this state. Yeah. So I love it. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about, um, I saw you posting some about the big five mayors um, meeting. Um, can you just, for the listeners, provide a little context about what that is? And then tell me if, you know, what the value is in that. Well, the, the big five mayors are, are the mayors of Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, Huntsville, Montgomery, and Mobile. And uh, we represent collectively uh, our metro areas. We represent about a quarter of the state of Alabama. So you, we have a lot of political power. And uh, cities hold, uh, to me, cities are where innovation is taking place. Um, we're not bound by the, um, the divides of partisanship. And so we're, we're seeing a lot of progress. I mean, look at what Sandy's been able to do in Mobile with Airbus and the airport. Uh, what Tommy has been able to accomplish up in North Alabama, and certainly with uh, NASA and Redstone and everything that comes with it, uh, Randall is changing the face of Birmingham, and and so and then we got Todd down there in Montgomery, who his work with Maxwell Air Force Base is, is and and what they're going to do in cyber technology is fantastic. And so the five of us, we come together, we meet quarterly, and we talk about issues that matter because uh, you know it's boring to talk about, but our 1901 Constitution best power into Montgomery, and it really best power into more of a rural setting. Unfortunately, it's the cities that drive the economics of this state. And so if we don't put our voice in, in a collective way, then the legislature, whether intentional or unintentional, is going to uh, really uh, tie our hands behind our back when it comes to creating opportunities, not only for our citizens, but the people of the entire state. And so I've enjoyed it now as a secondary. That's the policy side. The secondary side is that um, I enjoy the friendship. There's, there's not many people that are mayors. Mm -hmm. um, there's not many people that know the, you know, the, what you face every single day, the balancing of, of all the different issues that, that you have to take on. And so it's always a lot of, to me, uh, fun to talk about and laugh about things that are going on in our lives, compare similar situations. Uh, I learn from Sandy and Randall and Tommy and Todd every time I'm with them. 
and hopefully it's made me a better mayor. I know, I believe it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there an anecdote about a relationship with one of them or another politician where they've helped you navigate a complex situation? There's not one big thing, but every time we face an issue on revenue or taxation or police and law enforcement, whatever it may be, I know I can call them up and they're going to give me a straight answer. And I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's not only a legal answer, it's the politics of it. Mm-hmm. I have to remind my staff all the time. I get that, you know, you hate the politics, but it's the politics that get things done. I mean, and it, I mean, I'll, you, if you worked here, you would hear me say this about 10 times a day, control what you can control. You know, I mean, you can wish things all day long, but what can you control? And so the politics of it, you have to control mm-hmm. and get things done. And so that's one of the things that they can help us with as well is how do you reach out and work with different uh, stakeholders to accomplish any particular goal and objective? Yeah. Where did that where did that saying come from? My dad would say that control what you can control. And um, it's hard sometimes, especially in this business. Yeah. Uh, Especially when, you know, when when you look at what I do every day, you've got two parallel lines. You've got logic and you've got emotion and they never meet. And so you, you've got to control what you can control. And, and most of the time it's on the logic side. And that's where I because I think in the end results will ultimately trump rhetoric. Mm-hmm. But on in that on that path, it can be difficult. Yeah. How do you manage your relationship with the city council? Um, <laughs> day by day, um, it, you know, actually I've been blessed in 13 years, have, you know, very few split votes. Um, you know, we just recently went one with our Elevate Tuscaloosa plan. Um, but even in that, it's been a very positive, uh, relationship. And what I've tried to do is this, I served on the city council four years before coming mayor. And so I bring that relationship to the table and I work, you know, I try to keep them as informed as possible. I try to be a good listener. Um, I try to meet with them as often as they want to meet with me. We have monthly meetings that are scheduled. Um, I constantly am emailing or texting with them, and I want them to be part of this. They're the elected representatives from their area of the city, and I want them to be part of this. And the other thing I ask is for respect. I'm going to respect what they do. They have to respect what I do, and and I make them this promise. I'll never get in your swim lane. Just don't get in mind. And uh, you know what? That mutual understanding and respect has been very, very good. Plus, we all want the same things. I mean, I really don't believe most someone doesn't run for office unless they really want to do something good. Right. So I try to start there and build up. And and I've been very blessed. And this city council, they're they're all difficult. But not, just think about this. Think about your Sunday school class or whatever, or, or your civic club or wherever it may be that you're part of. If you look around the room, most people come with diverse experiences and backgrounds. Imagine if you tried to agree on everything. It wouldn't happen. And it's not going to happen on city council. Yeah. And so I think the best thing to do is just respect each other's experiences and try to find solutions. Yeah. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't get constant agreement in my marriage, much less with seven or eight <laughs> other people. <laughs> I think I get more agreement out of the council than I did uh <laughs> yeah. Stephanie is a Stephanie has I mean she's the uh she's the executive branch, legislative branch and judicial branch. So uh, <laughs> she's and, and you know what? Thank God cuz I couldn't ask for any better. Yeah. I mean that too. I'm not just saying that in case she's watching it. <laughs> yeah. Now does she work? No, she doesn't. She did when we got married and then it just became absolutely impossible with the scheduling and so she gave up her career for me which 
again, is one of the many reasons why she's fantastic. But she is, you know, you hear politicians say this, and, and sometimes you wonder if it's really true. But I know in my case, she's my closest advisor. And, mm-hmm. She's somebody that always gives me the unvarnished truth, and I pre- and uh, not only gives me the unvarnished truth, she always has my best interest at heart, and um, she is fantastic. She has a degree in communications. Uh, she worked for Alabama football and then TTSC, which is Tourism and Sports Commission here in Tuscaloosa, uh, before leaving. So she gave up a career for this, and um, I'll, never forgive, I'll never forget that. Yeah. It means so much to me. How did y'all meet? Um, she worked with tourism, and so I would see her at events. And so one day um, after my divorce, I got the courage to ask her out, and she said yes. And um, you know, the rest is history. And so it was just a, a perfect fit. She's, um, you know, she's like me. She's introver- introverted. Um, you know, we think a perfect evening at home is, um, is you know, you get the children to sleep, and then you go watch Modern Family. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we are the. I mean it. it we are the anti-socialites of Tuscaloosa. Um, yeah. And so we, we do not do any of the social life. Uh, it's rare. You know, if we do, if our social life would consist of having neighbors come over and uh, maybe drink. The other night we went over, a friend was on crawfish. And so uh, we drank beer. I didn't eat the crawfish, but I, I drank beer and uh, ate the sausage. Yeah. I, that, was, that was our big evening out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As the kids ran up and down the alley. That's a, and that's the way we love it. That's a good night. Yeah, it is. Who's your favorite modern family character? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a good one. You know, I, I love them all. I mean, you know, and, and I hate that the season's ending. I guess Jay. I mean, in the end, I just love the ornery old Jay, you know, but Cam has a piece of my heart. <laughs> I love the football coach character with Cam. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that's those are my two favorite right there. Yeah. Any other favorite uh, TV shows? Uh, the Office and Parks and Rec. Um, you know, being a mayor, you know, I love Parks and Rec. Absolutely. So, and you watch it and you go, damn, that that seems like us at times. I mean, how could that be? Um, but I. Yeah, we enjoy the. You can tell we enjoy comedies. So we have enough serious stuff yeah. in our lives, so comedies tend to be where where we go. Yeah, I love it. I like to end every uh, episode with rapid fire questions. All right. Um, so you know these are pretty quick and just whatever comes to mind. So, favorite cocktail or spirit? Oh, Jack Daniels. Uh, I like it mixed a little bit of Sprite. Okay. Cardio or weightlifting? Cardio. Beach or mountains? Beach. Most trouble you got into as a child? Smoking cigarettes. I'll, you know, I was lucky to get away with cigarettes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to... I can say that, right? I'd... I'm a Democrat. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to worry about that other stuff. <laughs> I did inhale, okay? All right. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, you got to tell me a little bit more. So, how old were you? How did you get caught? What was the consequence? Um, so a neighbor turned us in. We were smoking cigarettes behind Mr. Weinberger's house, uh, just down the street. And it, that, the interesting is that I work with his son Gary, uh, who helps us with the amphitheater. But long story short, Chuck Potts and I got caught smoking Merritt cigarettes that he stole from his mom. Smoking Merritt's was like smoking a stick. I mean, but we didn't know that at the time. And so uh, 
Yeah, Chuck and I did got in a lot of trouble, and we could have gotten a lot more trouble if they discovered the beer and the the dime bag. But you know, hey, we got lucky with just cigarettes. <laughs> okay, that, yeah. that was a good one. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I, I guarantee you, Sandy or Tommy didn't talk anything like that. I need to interview more Democrats. That's what I'm learning. Hey, you know what? We have a lot more fun, at least. We may never win an election in Alabama, but we have a lot more fun. <laughs> okay, best compliment you've ever received? Oh, when your children tell you they love you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing like it. Yeah. yeah, that's the best. That is a good one. Okay, uh, favorite Tuscaloosa tradition? Football season. Um, it, it's just something about it. It's, it's probably like Mardi Gras and Mobile. It's the... It's the it's just you love it, man. There's something about it. Yeah. If you could meet just one person, who would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you talking about live or or um, either? Dead. You could do both if you want. Uh, I think dead. I'd like to meet Winston Churchill or Abraham Lincoln, and alive Jimmy Carter. Mm. Okay. Uh, do you prefer text messages or email? Email. Hmm. Because I can type. Okay. Even though t- I'm, I'm losing the battle, but it's, you know. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm losing, I'm, I mean, it is a, you know, and I get it. I get it, especially on the campaign trail, is a lot more text than it was email. Yeah. Favorite city other than Tuscaloosa? Ooh, um, Savannah. That's a good one. Yeah, Savannah. Stephanie, I love Savannah. Yeah. Favorite kind of car or truck? El Camino, my first car ever. I was damn proud of that El Camino for $2,000. We called it the slipper. I love it. (laughs) What color was it? It was uh, jet blue, baby. (laughs) Women loved it. That's what I told myself anyway. (laughs) And there was a a line in it. I think it was an NWA, NWA song about an El Camino. And so for me, I just thought, man, you know, I'm the ultimate gangster. <laughs> I mean, you look at me saying that, okay. I mean, I didn't know that then. That was through my high school eyes. Yes, okay. yeah. Right. That was your theme song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what color is your toothbrush? Uh, right now it's blue and gray, but Stephanie does a good job of alternating them out. She's very health conscious. Good. Uh, mornings or nights? Mornings. Mornings. Definitely morning person. Your most awkward age? Oh, middle school, eighth grade. Yeah. I mean, yeah just all of humanity's crazy. most awkward age. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a shame, you know, you have to go through that to anyone. Favorite movie? A Few Good Men. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, it's Tom Cruise, you know, You Can't Handle the Truth. And I just love at the end where, you know, he just puts all his chips in the middle of the table and goes right after Jack Nicholson. And um, I don't know, there's just something about that contrast that I love and standing up and doing what's right. I'm, I'm a sucker for those kind of movies. But the close second would be any uh, Star Wars or Bourne movies. I'm, I'm, you know, when you're going through the channels and, and a Bourne movie or Star Wars comes on, any of the, the versions, um, all of a sudden I'm locked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, in closing, is there anything uh, currently going on or coming up in Tuscaloosa that you're especially excited about? 
Well, we just passed the Elevate Tuscaloosa plan, which is going to allow us to invest uh, nearly $500 million over 20 years into taking Tuscaloosa to the next level. Um, like most cities, we're competing for the next generation, and uh, we're in a war for that, so to speak. And so we want to create an environment where, you know, right now, 90% of Alabama's graduates leave Tuscaloosa. Uh, we need to get to 15%, 20% over the next 10 years. But we've got to create a community that can, that's built for that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to be doing. Because, um, you know, right now, in terms of percentage growth, we're Alabama's fastest growing city. Um, but we, we, if we're going to continue that momentum, we've got to go from recruiting students to retaining students. And so that's the big initiative. And I look forward to what we're going to do because you ain't seen nothing yet. You think Tuscaloosa has done a lot the last 13 years. Um, we're, about to, we're about to elevate and take it to the next level. I love it. How can people stay informed about what you're up to? Oh, follow us on Twitter uh, at Tuscaloosa City, or you can follow me personally at Walt Maddox. Uh, you can go to any of the uh, social media pages of the city of Tuscaloosa, and I also have a Facebook page, uh, Walt Maddox. So just follow us, and uh, we certainly can come out and communicate with us. And you can also email me, get easy email address, mayor at Tuscaloosa.com. And I answer my own emails. I don't push that off on a staffer, so I answer my own emails. That's fantastic. Well, Mayor, thank you so much. It really has uh, been an honor and a pleasure, and I hope you have a great rest of the day and a great council meeting tonight. Hey, we're going to get after it. You have a great day. Okay. Take care. Perfect. Thank you. Bye-bye. You can keep up with Mayor Maddox on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next week, we'll dive in with Mayor Tommy Battle, the mayor of Huntsville. Political People is created and hosted by me, William Haynes. The podcast is produced by myself and Joel Sappington. And this episode was recorded, mixed, and edited by Joel Sappington. Intro music by Rex Banner. Episode music by Buzo and Thieves. Big thank you to Mayor Maddox and his team for giving us their time. Special thanks to Wendell Kimbrough and friend of the show, Unity Fiber. If you have a connection to a politician that would like to be on our show, please email us at politicalpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'd love it if you would rate, review, and share this so that others can check out what we're doing. I'll see you next time, and until then, don't forget to love on your politicians. They're people just like you.